Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Coffee with a friend is like capturing joy in a cup. Welcome to the Coffee with Jenny B podcast, hosted by Jenny B, a lover of all things coffee. Each week, Jenny will chat about connecting over coffee, what brings her joy, and everything in between. A lot can happen over coffee, so grab a cup, sit back, and enjoy. Now here's your host, Jenny B. Hello and welcome to the show. Let me ask you a question. Could you tell your story in 20 seconds? No? Well, 20 seconds does seem like a short amount of time to tell your story. But what if you had 400 seconds? Could you tell your story then? I bet you could. Now, why am I talking about storytelling and a time limit? Well, I want to talk about something really kind of cool that I am going to be involved with. It is Pichakcha, a free online and offline global storytelling platform that celebrates people, passion, and creative thought. Through a 20 by 20 presentation format, a slideshow of 20 images, auto advances after 20 seconds. It's a nonstop presentation of 400 seconds. My guest today is someone who is very familiar with this format and with Pichakcha. His name is Justin Ladia. He is a graphic designer for Tetro Design, a design company in Winnipeg. He's a community organizer. He's a puzzle hunt hobbyist. He is also the host of The Extraction, a podcast about puzzles. He is heavily involved with ICON, and he is the organizer of Pichakcha Night in Winnipeg. Please help me welcome Justin. Hey, Justin. Hi, Jenny. It's lovely to be here. I'm excited to talk to you about, well, all of those things. <laughs> I, I keep, uh, whenever I hear that out loud from and someone else is bringing that up, I keep forgetting how much I do. But uh, yes, I, I'm very excited to talk about Pachacha and all those sorts of things. Oh, wonderful. Well, I'm so I'm so happy that you agreed to come on and talk about it because when I first met you, you're just this bundle of energy, like you're just so involved. And I mean, even my description of, of what you're involved with is like, you're just, you're just a dynamo, like just go, 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 go. And I can relate to that because uh, I've been called the Energizer Bunny. So <laughs> between the two of us. <laughs> Good, then you'll understand what I'm probably going to be talking about today. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. We make things happen. So tell me, how did you get involved with Pachakcha? Uh, well, it all stems back actually from when I first uh, saw a friend, um, talk at Pachakcha Night Winnipeg, which was then organized by professor or an instructor, I should say, from the Red River College graphic design program, Oliver Oike. And this was back when Pachakcha was in volume five. So I think that would have been in 20, no, 2015, I would say. I might have to double check that date. But uh, my friend Sophia Sangsuria was a speaker at that event. I saw them speak and I was like, I could do that. And then uh, when volume 23 came around, I volunteered to become a speaker and I got hooked with the idea of public speaking. And then I spoke again for the 31st volume, I think it was. It's one of the the first early 30 volumes. And then at that volume, Oliver came up to me and asked if I would organize the event, seeing as how passionate I was about the, the format. And from volume 33 onwards, which was, I believe, in 2017, I organized uh, the events from 33 to, to now, which end, and to the one that you're about to speak at, actually. I know. I'm excited about that. And it's interesting that you started off as a speaker, and then because you were so passionate about the format and, and just the idea, because it, it is very different. It's not you getting up and talking nonstop about something. And typically when you are doing a presentation, you don't normally have a slideshow. Or if you do have a slideshow, you're the one that is in control of how how fast or, or how to move each slide forward depending on where you are in your presentation. But in this particular instance, this format is you have 20 seconds to complete whatever you're saying about that particular slide, and then it auto advances. So you're, unless you wrap it up in that 20 seconds, you're scrambling to keep up. So that can be very challenging. It, it definitely can. But there is something about the the beauty of limitation that allows people to really get to the point fast and do it in a way where it's also in some parts beautiful. Uh, especially when there's visuals involved, right? So I think when it comes to other sort of speaking formats or, or uh, presentation formats where there is less of a limitation, I think there are going to be individuals that struggle with being able to get to the point fast. They might add things. They might uh, go, go in a roundabout way of explaining what their intention is or what their story is. But Pachakcha allows you to get to that, or to think of, of, of your story in a way that's concise. And the results are usually very uh, frenetic almost. It's a little, uh, a little frenzied <laughs> in some ways, but it's always very fun. That's amazing because you, you know what, and you're absolutely right because people tend to over-explain and it's okay to tell a story, but you know, I tend to be the storyteller. And I remember my daughter, this is years ago, she wanted to borrow my car. And I was talking out loud thinking, well, you know, I don't know if I have appointments and I'm going on and on. And she's like, mom, yes or no? Like, get to the point. Just tell me, can I go <laughs> or not? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's a really interesting way of of presenting a story, especially because everyone has a story to tell. And usually those stories are really large and, and there's a lot to it. There's lots of history and context involved. But uh, when you write a Pachakcha presentation or, or try to make one, which and I've made two of them before, 
uh, you're really forced to figure out exactly what you want to say and how to say it in the best way possible, but also in the shortest amount of words. Because 20, wor- 20 seconds in a slide, surprisingly not a lot of words, especially if you don't speak really fast. And when I was younger, I would I would talk really, really fast. Uh, and now I would say it, it, it would maybe take 15 words for every 20 seconds, maybe 15 to 30 words, depending on what I want to say. So it is definitely a challenge, but again, limitation invites creativity. And Pachakcha is all about showing the creativity of all kinds of people of uh, from all industries in the city. They don't necessarily have to be a, a graphic designer or an artist or a traditional creative in any way. We invite all kinds of people to speak and we're fairly open about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember attending my first night, this was a few months ago, and uh, my friend uh, Tinika was speaking. And of course, she's a, a huge lover of anything Winnipeg, Christmas, and she uh, invited me to come and support her uh, at this evening. And I had never heard of this before, before that evening, but I was so intrigued about the whole idea of this presentation. And and then, you know, there were, I think, eight presenters in total, if I'm not mistaken, and each one offered something completely different. And I have to say that each one did a fantastic job. Now, I'm sure there was lots of practice making sure that you were saying enough of the words or, you know, like you were saying 15 to 30 words, depending on what you're saying. But the images are really telling the story. You know, there, there's that there's that saying, you know, a picture tells a story of a thousand words. Uh, you don't need words on the slides. You just need the images. And so you're talking about what those images are. I teach effective oral communication for the University of Winnipeg PACE program. And my students, I keep telling them less is more, like really edit, like edit what you're saying, really key points. Just give me the key points. And it's no different than this because if I ramble on and on and on, it's not going to flow very nicely and it's just going to be very kind of choppy. So keeping right to the point, this slide is this, this slide is that, moving on, I can see that that would make it more of an enjoyable experience. Absolutely. And the thing also about that is, and I don't mean to make fun of the, of people at this point, but people's attention spans is getting a lot less uh, the, the people have less patience now, let's say, for content that goes on for more than 45 minutes. So having speakers up there for six minutes and 40 seconds is enough of a, of a bite size to, cons- uh, to be able for that to be consumed by the, by the audience. And usually people at least have a vague idea of what you're talking about, even in, in six minutes and 45 seconds. So people remember what, what you at least were trying to convey in those six minutes, because the attention span of people will, in, in that short amount of time, will be, I guess, at its prime, because people are, are don't know what to expect when it comes to your talk. They, they're, they're always willing to, to watch and understand and, and learn. And that's one of the things I love about Pachakcha is that the audience is always usually very supportive. Um, even when people mess up on stage, they still are very supportive of the speakers and they'll, they'll encourage them to go on. But because of the, the short format, people are more attentive to the, to those talks. I find that if I'm in a, 
speaker series where the talks can run for 10 minutes, my mind tends to wander because I too have an attention problem, <laughs> as many millennials seem to have at this point, as, as speaking as a millennial, of course. But I, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I find that Pachakcha was something that appealed to me because of that amount of time, right? Well, you know, um, you're referring to yourself as a millennial with a short attention span. I guess I would classify myself as a as a boomer, maybe, yeah. and also short attention span. You know, where where I'll go to say yeah. something and then it's like, okay, what was I going to say? I can't remember. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh! So, um, so I hope that 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 doesn't happen to me when I'm up there <laughs> on stage. That's me in my daily life, basically. Yeah. <laughs> No, and the, if if it does happen, then I like I said, the the folks up there and the MC, they're always very encouraging. One of the things about Pachakcha too is that it's a it's it's a bit of a test for how you would handle public speaking in a in a slightly more intimate setting, uh, because I I find that when I try to find speakers, they're usually terrified of the idea of being able to go up there because they they have the apprehension from the idea of messing up in front of everybody and I've messed up myself maybe once or twice and I've bombed for sure on stage many times before and it after a while it's actually not that bad people don't really <laughs> pay mind that much they just like to have fun and watch people have fun on stage so uh, if I mean if since you're about to go up I think that's the advice I would give you and other folks that are interested in, in going up there it's not it's not as scary as people think. It's it's uh, it is a great time, and you get, gain quite a bit of confidence from doing it. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I'm I'm actually not afraid of public speaking. Um, you know, because as, as an I didn't get that from you. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I got that from you. I should say, not no, I know. I, I I had a feeling for sure. You had a feeling, yeah. Um, so as an instructor, you know, I'm constantly talking and and telling stories about, you know, whatever, and teaching my students. But also, um, you know, it's it's two years that I've been doing my podcast and, you know, episode every week. So you get to be very, uh, very familiar with telling the story and, and sharing your voice. And but for me, the idea of doing it in the, the short kind of sound bites, you know, that's something different for me. But I'm actually looking forward to it because I'm always looking for opportunities to grow and and to really push myself to do things differently. And so I'm really excited about being able to do this for my for my very first time and um, looking forward to doing it on June the 28th. So that's just around the corner. And uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to actually start working on putting my slides together. I've got a couple of ideas. Now, I know that you had mentioned in your email to about the whole event and so on, that some people have, in addition to the slides, have, you know, done different things on stage. You know, they've danced, they've sung, they've, you know, they, they do something different depending on what it is that goes along with their presentation. And so, of course, mine is always is, is going to be about coffee. So it's going to be about my Coffee with Jenny B podcast and my journey. So I'm thinking that I might have it set up sort of like, you know, with my my coffee mug and you know, maybe, maybe my favorite French press and the whole idea of me sort of, you know, sipping my coffee as I'm telling my story. I'm not sure, but, you know, kind of involving the whole idea of coffee into the whole format. 
Yeah, we can pull up a few chairs or maybe a stool in, in the very center of the stage. Have you seen how people have presented on stage? Usually they're off to the center, but it is not going to be the first time if, if you want to do that to have someone sit in the very center and just have coffee. I, I'm definitely for that. I love the idea of doing something different. I always am. I always have been really into different and exciting ways of presenting Pachakcha talks uh, because if this is your... This is this is your talk, and you should present it in the way that is most authentic to you. So I would I, w- I would be very excited to see that. Okay, well, still working out the details, but I I'm uh, I'm really excited about the idea of doing something like this, and so I can't wait to do it. Ex- excellent, I'm really excited for that. Now, tell me about your podcast. So the extraction. So it's a podcast about puzzles. So how does extraction and puzzles, how does that work together? Right. So what I do on the side, and I've been an enthusiast of of the puzzle hunt format for a long time. And puzzle hunts are basically uh, an event where there are a series of rather esoteric puzzles where usually the instruction isn't given, but you're just shown some sort of conundrum to sort of figure out. There's a series of them, and they all come together. The answers come together to form another puzzle, and then you solve that puzzle to get the final answer, which is in some way usually a pun. Uh, The extraction comes from the term that is referring to the act of finding the final answer to things in some way. It's a bit reductive to say it that way, but it's it's about getting the final answer. And the, one of the reasons why I started the extraction was because I, as a graphic designer and having gone through a program that was in university that was fairly creative, I'm always interested in the creative process. And I think there is a wealth of creativity in something that isn't traditionally seen as creative and that is very niche, like the puzzle writing process. There's a lot of sort of abstract thinking that that really interests me. uh, And I wanted to get into the minds of these writers and constructors to figure out exactly how they get into thinking of the process of walking someone through the puzzle solving experience. Um, it's, it's, uh, It's just, I think, one of those things that uses a hobby that is also in line with what I do as a, as a profession. Um, and I wanted to explore and talk to these people and see what they had to say. Cause I, I find it very interesting. Well, that makes a, a lot of sense because as a creative, your mind is always going to what, what can I do here? What is different? What is exciting? What, what can I make out of all of this? And the idea of puzzles, because that involves a lot of the the brain to be working and it's not just the creative part of it but there's also the logic so it's almost like left brain right brain kind of meeting in the middle and working together to create first of all creating the puzzle but then also looking at solving it yeah i've written a few puzzles now and a lot of the the puzzles that i've written really is just for the mit mystery hunt for the, or i should say the massachusetts institute of, of technology in out in Cambridge, Massachusetts. They hold a uh, a puzzle hunt event every year, and they've done so since the late 1980s. I'd like to say I think it's in the 80s. I don't know if it's late or early. I forget. I should know. It's <laughs> I I wrote a little bit about it before. It was it's a tradition that's been going on since then, and uh, I had the opportunity and the pleasure of being able to write and produce a lot of uh, of that hunt, and I art directed most of it and involved a lot of 
folks from the local Winnipeg scene for illustrations uh, because I wanted to bring Winnipeg to that sort of stage, right? But I've also had the pleasure, of course, of writing, I think, six puzzles. Uh, and it was it was definitely a challenge because it's not something that I think there's necessarily a manual for because it, it's it's a lot about... A lot of writing is formed by your experience of solving. So the more you solve, the better you are as a writer, at least theoretically. Uh, but thankfully, there are a lot of experienced puzzle writers there and constructors. A lot of them wrote a few puzzles for, say, the New York Times, and they've written for TV shows and, and other events that are in varying levels of popularity and uh, recognition. But it was one of those years i think it was it took an entire year to write and produce it was one of those years that i think i was at the most creative and i really cherished that that year and having been able to sort of think both with my left and my right brain for a year was uh, was a challenge but i really enjoyed it well that you know it sounds absolutely fascinating that you first of all the whole process and the idea of writing and producing it it sounds what a massive project so I'm I'm so impressed by the fact that you took on this project and that you're so involved in in the whole idea of the puzzle hunt. Now I I like puzzles. I I do crossword puzzles. I've been doing now the crypto quote. I do that every morning. There's two uh, there's two crypto quotes in the free press. There's the crossword puzzle, and then I also do Sudoku. Oh yes. Yeah, and I do that every morning. And what's interesting about the crypto quote is you look for patterns, right? And you learn, you look for patterns. And sometimes the patterns are easy to find and sometimes they're not. And so sometimes I can, I can look at it and I can make some assumptions about certain things. And then it's like, no, that doesn't work. So then I have to actually take a step back and then come back. And then all of a sudden, then I can, I can see where everything is coming together. But I I find it, it's a, well, first of all, it's a challenge, but I love doing it because at 63 years old, I want to make sure that my brain is staying sharp and, and doing that, of course, because exercise is not just for your body, but it's also for your brain. It it's It's forcing you to, because it's a muscle, right? And it's forcing you to really... I think outside the box. I know that's such a overused term, but that's what it is, is you're using your brain to figure out patterns and looking at clues and and really trying to retain that information. Because when I was younger, I used to I used to retain trivia like crazy. Like, you know, when we used to play Trivial Pursuit, no one would no one would want to play against me because I was always <laughs> winning. <laughs> that's great. That, that's a that's a useful thing to have for sure, especially when you're solving crosswords. Yes, absolutely. And and it's such a it's such a feeling of satisfaction when I solve the puzzle or when I complete the Sudoku and it's like, yes, I did it. Yeah. Absolutely. I think one of the things that puzzle constructors do, and especially really successful puzzle constructors do, is that they understand that, first of all, the, the goal of the constructor is to lose to the solver all the time. It's not about making sure that you're, uh, you are outsmarting the solver because the goal is to make it fun for the solver. You want them to go through the path of uh, going through the solution in the right way. And there is, 
it's it's a really subtle art form trying to goalpost the solver through things. Like if you're solving a Sudoku, there it it might seem a little jumbled and incoherent, but there is a very specific path that uh, logic puzzle constructors use in order to get you to fill that grid properly. So they will give you. It might be hard to see because you're analyzing the grid in some way, right? And and fight figuring out uh, where you can put in a number. But they, the constructor, has specifically put in those numbers in those places because they know exactly how that path is going to go. Once you put in one, another one will see, and you're just and you'll see another uh, place to put in a number, and so on and so forth. So you're being guided through a path through the variables that you are able to find and, and see. The same thing goes for a crypto quote where the pattern of the numbers and the letters that you're given allow you to sort of bounce between uh, the words that you're familiar with, words you're unfamiliar with, and there's going to be a lot of words in those things that are more common and there are going to be words that are less common, but some of the common words are, are there in order to help you fill in the letters in the, le- in the more uncommon words that ha- or are longer words or something like that. So there is a again it's there's a beauty and subtlety and a sort of finesse to to constructing puzzles that i myself am not super uh comfortable saying that i am good at yet uh but it's it's a craft that's that i really much very much appreciate and i and even in the in a simple like word jumble you know those those things require finesse too so uh it is it is very fascinating to me and yeah it's it's just a great creative challenge. Yeah. And, you know, it's a great way to spend the morning. You know, I sit there with my coffee and, you know, I, I do the puzzles and it's, you know, it's a great, great way to spend the morning and it sets my day off in, in a great way. And again, it's that feeling of satisfaction that I'm, I'm exercising my brain, but at the same time, it's fun for me. Now I can't say this would be fun for everybody because, you know, well, I'm kind of a, a, a nerd that way, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but it, you know what, it's something that I look forward to every morning and, um, and, and I just, I just really enjoy doing it. Hi, it's Jenny. We'll get back to the show in a moment, but first I invite you to check out my website, coffeewithjennyb.ca. That's Jenny with a G, where you'll find all the links to my episodes. You'll also find a variety of coffee gifts available for purchase, including my branded bag of Red Door Coffee Beans from Harrison's Coffee Company. As well, you'll find a link to join the Winnipeg Coffee Community Facebook group. I'll also be posting info about upcoming coffee tours and coffee nights. So keep checking my website for updates. You can also follow me on Instagram at Coffee with Jenny B. Now, let's get back to the show. Now, it's funny you mentioned about Sudoku because actually it was one of my students last year. They had to do a presentation on how something works. And she decided that she was going to do a presentation and show us how to do Sudoku. During her presentation, she was giving us tips. So this is what you need to do here and here. And I was watching this and thinking, okay, so that's how you do this puzzle. And so I've been using that format. So ever since her presentation, 
I've been using that format to figure out. And most of the time I can do it, but sometimes I get stumped. And so you have two spaces that a number could either go here or here. And you don't want to take a chance on putting it in the wrong space because if you if you go in and say, okay, I'm committing to this space and it's the wrong one, then the whole puzzle is wrong. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And it's, it's a bit of a tricky situation, especially when you're down to two possibilities because uh, you could really go either way and you don't want it, especially if you're using a pen, which I mean, if, if you're really, if you're really risky or you like taking risks and you want to solve a puzzle in pen, go for it. But like, if you're trying to decide between two numbers, like one mistake can set the entire grid off. And so it's, it's absolutely a bit of a risk. And I'm, I'm glad that there, there are lots of passionate people actually who, who solve Sudokus who are uh, very in tune with the different kinds of techniques. They've been shown the way of how to solve a specific thing if you have a certain situation in a certain group of cells and stuff like that. And it's very fascinating to me how people can be so passionate about one specific puzzle format, right? Several people who are just devout Sudoku solvers, and it is it is fascinating to me when I get to talk to them. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a great practice for sure, and it's great that that uh, your your student was able to show you the, some of the techniques in solving them. I know it's amazing. It's amazing. Now, in addition to the podcast and your work as a graphic designer, and of course with Pichakcha, tell us about Icon. Now, I believe it's is it to do with like Japanese anime or? That's, that's correct. Yes. So Icon is the local anime convention. Started out as 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 purely as an anime convention, which is of course the uh, the genre of Japanese animation, which is just shortened to anime. But it's it's really now more of a Japanese cultural convention, and there's a lot of sort of nerd culture involved, like Japanese nerd culture. Let's just say it's not fully about the entirety of Japanese culture, because that would be really hard to represent. But it is a convention about that. There's also some dedication to Korean pop music, like K-pop, which is which is currently, uh, I wouldn't even say on the rise, it's it's in the mainstream now as, as being part of, uh, it's, it's this huge thing, I should say, that we're celebrating. And so it's a lot of it is about Japanese culture, Japanese pop culture, Jap uh, anime, sort of nerd culture in general. And I've been doing that now, I think, since uh, 2016, 2017, around that time. So it's been about six, seven years since I've been involved in Icon as a graphic designer and as a communications person and as a host of a couple of the shows that are happening there. Interesting. Yeah. My son used to be uh, really involved in anime. He took graphic design for a couple of years, but he was just, he was really fascinated with, I don't want to call them cartoons because that's, that's not really what they are, but what would you call it then? So it's like a genre, I would say almost like it's a format in, in some way. I, I think anime is just anime, really, as you could just say, you can refer it to itself as, as just that. It's a okay. self-referential term. Yeah. Yeah, no, that because calling it cartoon, it's not a cartoon. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a well, yeah, it's a genre. It's 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 a movie, but it's an animation in a sense. Yeah. Now with Icon, is is it that because I know that there are, there's Comic Con where people dress up in costume? Is Icon sort of similar to that? 
Yeah, so the one of the biggest draws for Icon is cosplay, and cosplay is short, of course, for costume play, and it that is a, I think, a subculture that that did originate in Japan, where people dressed up as their favorite anime or manga characters to some degree of accuracy, or just for to appreciate the the characters that really that they they really love right so in icon there's always going to be a bunch of people in cosplay we just call them cosplayers and every year there is a cosplay contest where people come up on stage and show their best creations that they've done themselves and we judge them and then we award people for the best uh, sort of workmanship and creativity and all that. So yeah, cosplaying is uh, a huge thing at Icon. And usually when the convention comes around in the summer, downtown is peppered with cosplayers and people usually comment on social media that they've seen a cosplayer somewhere. And so it's it's always usually entertaining. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's very fun. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> no, it sounds like a lot of fun. So what's next for you? I mean, it sounds like you have a lot of passion projects on the go, but is there something that sort of the next big project or something that you want to get involved in that really challenges your creativity? Oh, okay. Let's see. I mean, I haven't really planned anything yet, honestly, because I think I, I'm at a point in my life, I think, where I'm happy with what I'm doing enough that I'm able to say that if something comes along that is appealing to me and I, I want to take the opportunity, I'm going to take it. I think I'm not saying that I don't have a, a sense of ambition at the moment <laughs> because that's not true because I'm, I'm still doing all these things and, and putting them together and doing them to the best of my ability. It's just right now, I think I'm satisfied with the way things are going. But I am not opposed to a new challenge when it comes around, let's just say. I, that's usually the way it goes with me, I think. I, as I said in earlier with Pachakcha, I saw a challenge. I, I, I wanted to speak. I spoke. And, and now I'm organizing. And these things kind of just, by luck, it surreptitiously sort of happens to me. And it is by some me I'm in some ways very grateful for it. And But at the same time, I know that I made the opportunities happen by being present and being there. So I don't have a plan necessarily, let's say, for the next creative project. But I do love the idea of collaborating with people and like having more stories out there. I, I'm always interested in what people and in people's interests, especially. I wouldn't be involved in all these things if I wasn't interested in what people are interested in uh, and and how they do it and, and why they love things. And so... If there is anything coming up, it will probably involve me trying to get to know people in a way that is intimate, but professional, of course, uh, <laughs> uh, the, but the, that really digs deep into why we make things, who we are as people, what makes, I mean, on a local level, what makes Winnipeg people the way they are and why our creative scene is is vibrant. You know, anything that involves something that digs deep into that, like that the tell stories or tell stories about telling stories. So <laughs> all of that sort of good stuff that that's creative and uh, it brings people together. And I think from, uh, that I think that's what I was brought on earth to do. I think I was me meant to bring people together in some way and have people tell stories to each other. And I don't know how I'm going to turn that into something that is even bigger than what I've done before. But 
I'm excited to see if it, if that ever happens. But that's that's my answer, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, I can almost guarantee that you will do something that is befitting your passion, your creativity, your desire to not only tell a story, but to have others tell a story and to be that that conduit of bringing people together and that connection in the community, because that is so important, especially today, because if anything COVID has taught us is that we need that connection. We need those stories. We need to hear people tell stories about themselves to talk about, to talk with each other and to learn from each other. And, and that's what you do from stories is that you learn about people's history, about their passions, about their desires, about their beliefs, about anything. And, and I know that you will find a way of, of making that happen because everything that you've been doing up until this moment has been, in a sense, almost preparing you for what is n- next to come. I appreciate that. And I mean, I do want to also say that um, there is, I mean, it might be a little dark, but the, philosophically speaking, like we, I, I love the idea of storytelling only because like we, our time on earth is always going to be temporary. Everyone knows that. Uh, we may pass, but the stories we tell will persist. And so if anything, if there's anything we can do on this planet while we're still here, it's to tell as good of a story using, I mean, we can tell the stories, but our lives tell the stories too, right? So like the the goal for me at the end of, of, of it all is to make my life a good story for people to tell. And if I can do that, obviously I won't know if that's going to happen after all of it, but if I can do that, then I would have had a good life. And so, uh, that's really the reason why I do this. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much, Justin, for being on and talking about Pichakcha, your experience, your involvement with Icon, with extraction and puzzles. It's, it's been absolutely fascinating and uh, I've enjoyed our conversation very much. I have too. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome, Justin. So until next time, Think about what your story is. Do you have a story to tell? And if that is something that you would like to share with others, consider being a part of the Pachakcha Night in Winnipeg. I'm going to be on stage on Wednesday, June the 28th, talking about my Coffee with Jenny B podcast and my Coffee with Jenny B journey. So I welcome you to come and find out what Pichakcha Night is all about. Thanks so much for listening. If you like Coffee with Jenny B and want to know more, connect with Jenny on Instagram at Coffee with Jenny B. That's Jenny with a G. Until then, all you need is joy and more coffee. It's said that the more time you have to invest, the greater the return. Well, guess what? Kids have the most time if we learn to invest early. That's why I created the Cash Kid Podcast. 
where I teach kids and some adults financial skills they need to know on how to earn, save, and invest their money. Join me on this journey as we interview experts and explore topics that allow you to grow your money as kids. This podcast will help you become the money expert among your family and friends. Just remember, anyone can be a cash kid. You just have to learn how to become one. Get ready to grow your financial knowledge and your wallet with the Cash Kid Podcast.